Music lovers, welcome to the fifth episode of First Concert Memories, the monthly sidecast of the Ugly American Werewolf in London, where we have a guest on to talk about the first time they saw a band that changed their lives or impacted them in a huge way, or that they just loved and they have to talk about it here on our show. It's been a really fun project to work on because everyone who loves rock music has been to a show that was just killer, or was a band you, you loved and you couldn't wait to see them, and when you saw them live, it blew you away, it just made you believe there was something bigger in the universe than yourself. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback about this show. Longtime listener and friend of the show, Nige Savage, wrote us on Twitter, or I guess you have to call it X these days, when we were blasting out on our first four episodes, said, this is a terrific series of podcasts and a great idea. Looking forward to loads more, gents. A couple of Metal Horns fans. So thank you, Nige. Thank you for listening. And yeah, this is, I think, like something that is pretty universal. If you've experienced live music at some point, there's been a great show that's really turned you on and you've got great stories from it. And this week, we're checking back with our old friend, Christy Alexander Hallberg, author of Searching for Jimmy Page and the host of the Rockies Lit podcast to talk about the first and only time she saw Jimmy Page play with Robert Plant. It was the Page Plant show at Virginia Beach in 1998, which they embarked on after they released their Walking Into Clarksdale album. Now, Jackson and I saw them play with a big band and an orchestra in 1995, kind of on the unleaded tour when they did that special performance, you would call it, on VH1 in the U.S., which they eventually released on CD and DVD and VHS. I had the VHS. But we thought it'd be fun to have Christy on. We hadn't talked to her in a while. She is our dear friend. And just talk about seeing this man, Jimmy Page, who she's been in love with since she was a teenager, right? And had inspired her so much that she eventually wrote a great novel, Searching for Jimmy Page, with some biographical stuff in there. And we figured she'd be perfect to be on the show to talk about her experience of seeing him live. So we're going to jump into that. First, of course, we have a little bit of business to take care of. We are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, of which... Christy Alexander Hallberg is a part of with Rocky's Lip uh, and there's about 100 shows great stuff out there really something for everyone follow them at Pantheon Pods or check out www.pantheonpodcast.com and guys it is the holidays I know you're doing a lot of shopping and finding gifts for people is difficult but you got to make sure you get something for yourself too and if you go to rarevinyl.com based in the UK they've got over a quarter million items in stock they've got first edition LPs they've got them in great condition they've got hard to find imports from all around the world they've got posters they've got tour programs all sorts of great stuff so yeah go to rarevinyl.com and find something for a friend but find something for yourself and you know what you can use the code ugly to save yourself 10 percent. now it takes a little while to get around the world there if you're in the uk you've got some more time but if you're in europe you're in asia you're in america you might want to get on it go to rarevinyl.com use the code ugly save yourself 10 percent. find that rare beauty that you've fallen in love with and can't live without 
Yes, we first met Christy a couple of years ago. She was on our show talking about her book, Searching for Jimmy Page. And then we did a show with her on Rock is Lit talking about the movie Dazed and Confused, which has one of the greatest soundtracks of all time, technically two soundtracks. And it was a real coming of age movie that kind of impacted us. That was a lot of fun. But we're going to jump in now and talk about the first time Christy Alexander Hallberg, author of Searching for Jimmy Page, saw Page and Plant live here on First Concert Memories. All right, well, we just want to say welcome to our sister and dear friend, Christy Alexander Hallberg, the author of Searching for Jimmy Page and uh, and host of the world's only podcast on rock novels, Rock is Lit. Christy Alexander Hallberg, thank you for being on our fifth episode of First Concert Memories. I am thrilled to be here. It's great to see you guys. Always good to see you. And <laughs> As we mentioned kind of on a previous thing that we did together, the three of us, Jackson, we came up we came up with this concept of first concert memories a while back, you know, wanting to talk about getting people on to talk about bands that had changed their lives once they saw them live and really, you know, talk about the power of live music and stuff like that. And I knew that when we first started our show, which is almost three years ago, Jackson, I think this Sunday is our three year anniversary of our first show. Oh my oh, gosh, wow. Being published, yeah. But and when you start off a show like that and you don't really have any experience, right, and you really don't know exactly what you're doing, you, you kind of go to stuff that you know you know, right? And if you see our first 20 to 30 shows, it's littered with some of our favorite albums, some of the biggest albums of all time, bands that we'd seen live, not only a lot, but like together, you know? And I was just looking back here on First Concert Memory 5, that not only the first five shows about bands that we've seen live, but they're bands that we've seen live together, me and Jackson, which is not that big of a list. I mean, we lived together for two years in college, and then we squeezed in a couple more when we didn't live together. I'm thinking Stones in 94 and, and Page and Plant in 95. And then last year, around this time, we saw our first concert together in almost 30 years with Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. So, I don't know, it, it's nice to be able to come from these. I mean, eventually, we're going to have to talk to people about bands we've never seen or maybe even don't know <laughs> anything about. But obviously, something that brought us together early was Led Zeppelin. And, you know, we move in together. We don't know anything about each other we're from different parts of the country. But I start putting up the Jimmy Page poster, and I think Jackson's like, okay, maybe this guy with the... Long this hair, will be so bad. The earring and the Grateful Dead T-shirt. Maybe he's not so. Maybe it's going to work out. I don't know. Let's hear it for Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin Yay. posters. They exactly. unite. So I mean, we have the the very incredibly well thought out twenty questions. But before we get into all that, Christy, you gotta you gotta get into uh, the, your backstory, if you mm. will, on Led Zeppelin, which I, I I know we've talked about before, actually on the show. Yeah. But that was a hundred years ago. When it, you came to us, you found I us. I know. I did. I did. It, it does feel like a long time. I feel like I've known you guys for many, many years. And it's only been, I guess, two now since I was on the show, if that. So the backstory, Led Zeppelin is a band that has meant so much to me since I was a kid. And I, I had older siblings. I'm the youngest of four. The next to the youngest is 10 years older than I am. And he was a drummer in various rock and roll bands around town. I'm from Greenville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And he idolized John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. And so he had posters in his room. And I remember he had he had the um, 
film poster for The Song Remains the Same with all these just different, interesting images that as a little kid, I couldn't quite figure out what the context was. But there was one image and it it was of a dude holding up a violin bow and he had Mm. a guitar and he just he had this mix of this essence of danger. But also there was something angelic about him, too. So that duality fascinated me from the get go. And then when I was 15, I came home and my brother was watching the movie. The song remains the same on TV. I think it was the first time MTV aired it. This would have okay. been 85. Gotcha. And so I, I I recognized the music when I walked in the door. And then as I came around the corner and saw the screen, it was instant. It was Jimmy Page on the screen. I don't remember which song he was playing, but I was in love. I just <laughs> thought, wow, who is that? And yeah. And the music was mysterious and brilliant. And I just became a mega fan right then. It was like everything that I was looking for because he was, that band had that, like I said earlier, like this element of danger to it. And it was really, really interesting and seductive and all of that stuff. So I I just became a huge fan. And Jimmy sort of became this, this thing that held my brother and my mother and me together. It connected us. So when she died, Back in 2003, and I went into the grief spiral over that. I found out that Jimmy and Brian May, and I think it was it was Dan Hawkins from The Darkness. They were all going to be judging this guitar contest for charity in England. And I knew that I had to go. I'd never been out of the country. didn't have a passport. I got wow. one. And I just, I knew that I had to do something out of the ordinary to kind of shake myself back to life. And I, I thought... If I can make that trip and be in the same room with him and talk to him, I know that sounds silly, but it it just, in my mind, I thought that was going to be the catalyst to getting on with my life. And it didn't quite happen that way, but I did go and I was at the contest and I chased him down the hall at the Hammersmith Palais, which I, I'm, I'm a fairly sedate person, <laughs> you know, somebody who's not, I was never a groupie type, but he was leaving. And I hadn't gotten to talk to him. And I, and I just thought, all right, it's now or never. So I just started running after him, caught up with him at the top of the stairs of all places, at the stairway, and just screamed. The only thing I could think of, which was, Jimmy, I came all the way from America just to meet you. <laughs> and he stopped. And I remember thinking, hot damn, we're going to have a conversation now. But he, he just, he stopped and he looked at me and he smiled and he said, I'm sorry. And his bodyguard was just kind of easing him or urging him on down the stairs. So that was my interaction with Jimmy Page. But in my mind, I have met him. We are now friends. I'm coming over for tea. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But, of course, years later, I I wrote this book, Searching for Jimmy Page, that that's the inspiration for it, that that moment. Wow, that's quite a a backstory. Now, so you say in in 1885, you were 15? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm a little bit older than you guys. Yeah. I just yeah. turned 54 November 3rd. Right. So, I mean, we're, we, we all went to high school at the same time. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you were senior when we were freshmen or whatever, but you know, we, we're, we're the same generation. You just have a few years on us. That's all. Yeah. And we're of the generation. I mean, I mean, do you remember Led Zeppelin breaking up in 1980? No. Okay. Um, what was going through my mind in 1980 was the death of John Lennon. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, that happened after they, well, I guess they issued the official announcement, what, in December or something They're like that? They're pretty close together, though. Yeah, but of course, he died in September. But no, they were not really, at that point, on my radar so much. I knew a whole lot of love, but it really wasn't until 1985 that I got hooked. Okay, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, because yeah. Jackson and I are obviously about the same age. And, I mean, you would hear Led Zeppelin on the radio, but we didn't know who Led Zeppelin were until we came of age about 13, 14 years old. Then, of course, it's like, oh, my God, this Led Zeppelin band is amazing. And it was right around, it was right before Jimmy did Outrider. And I remember that was a big deal in our community, like, hey, Jimmy's back and he's making this record. And, you know, it wasn't an amazing record and it featured three lead singers, although one of them might have been Robert. It's still it's still a little uneven, the record, you know, um, yeah. and it it didn't have Tony Franklin all over it, which I think would have helped uh, after he worked with him in the firm, you know. Yeah. But then, you know, it was like everything about Jimmy Page needed to know, like, oh, he's in this band called the Yardbirds. Oh, wait. Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck were in that band. Oh my God. You know? And so you get into the Yardbirds and you find things like that, but we knew because John Bonham was dead, there was never going to be another Led Zeppelin tour, right? Like that Mm -hmm. ship had sailed. We were never going to see that because look, quite frankly, in the late eighties, a lot of the bands who we would start to get into the old classic bands, you could see in the late eighties, the stones did the big steel wheels tour. The who came back and toured. Pink Floyd did the Momentary Lapse of Reason, Delicate Sound of Thunder tour. You know, a, a lot of bands, all of a sudden in the late 80s, the 60s were hot again. Yeah. So all these people could come back and tour. And so we're like, yeah, this is awesome. And then we got to see some some of our childhood heroes. But we always knew that it wasn't going to be Zeppelin. You know, and I think even in Louisville, Jimmy was going to play this place that was general admission, kind of a bit of a big bar, not like 20,000 but probably in the eight to 10,000 range, something mm. like that. And they didn't sell enough advanced tickets. And so they canceled the show. Like the day of the show, oh. they canceled the show. Oh like, no. We can't have Paige play to such a small crowd. That would be yeah. an insult kind of thing. So it's like, okay, well, I may never get the chance to see Jimmy. And then in 1994, the unleaded thing comes out. Huge, huge, huge. Deal. So exciting. And then I think the, the the cassette, I had the VHS. My mother actually sent it to me for Easter senior year in college. And I, I remember being able to pop in the VHS. I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool. But we'd already seen them at that point because, you see, Jackson and I saw them, Jimmy and Robert, with the big band that include, you know, the, the lead guitarist, Kurt, from the, from the Cure, and the bass player, whose name is slipping me right now, Jackson. But he's in the cult now. And I think, did he marry one of Robert's daughters? Charlie Jones? Yeah. Yes, Charlie. Charlie uh-huh. Jones. Yeah, Charlie, yeah, Charlie Jones. Yeah. He did. yeah, he married Carmen Plant. He married Carmen, that's right. He's a real special guy, and, uh, and uh, he's, a, he's a moralist. I know that if he's watching this now, he's, he's never going to forgive me, but he, <laughs> he's a gentleman, and he's everything I wish that I could be myself, but um, oh. yeah, he's a real good guy. So yeah, so that, that helps you stay in in the boys' good graces, I guess, <laughs> at least to yeah. a point, right? But we saw them on that 95 tour, which they did with part of at least the show with like the orchestra mm-hmm. which is amazing and it was a much longer set i feel like than it was the next time around so they do that they do the unleaded video and and album thing they do a tour about it and people were kind of like well that's probably it but they were making so much money and i think they're exact they're actually having some fun being back together that they decided to make an album walking into clarksdale now that's the one album of theirs that I do not have, you know. Like, I don't have it either, actually. 
it just didn't inspire me in 1998 or whatever it was. And it was like, it, what was so cool about the other show is they reworked all these classic Led Zeppelin songs to, you know, like nobody's fault, but mine It's a little different, you know, and, and then the way you can make it sound with an orchestra, obviously is different on some things, but then this was more about getting back to straight ahead rock and roll. And it was like, I didn't want to know it almost. It's kind of like, eh, it's not Led Zeppelin, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of keep it at arm's length. I guess I'm glad they're doing it so they'll tour, but I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to get that into this, you know? Yeah. Is that the well, way you kinda, felt? That sort of seemed like that album was more Robert-inspired and more aligned with some of the things that he was doing. I guess I'm thinking specifically of the video for Most High. Mm-hmm. It just it didn't, Jimmy didn't look terribly comfortable with some of the songs or in some of the videos. And what do you remember about that time for the boys, Jackson? Well, I was just trying to think about what what year was that? The yeah. tour was ninety eight. I think that did the album come out in ninety eight also, or is it ninety yeah. seven? That I think it was ninety eight. And wasn't that that was kind of that weird time when he was in the he was in the Godzilla video with P. <sighs> Diddy. Remember that when they? I've they, been trying to. Forget but I think this. that was ninety nine. I feel like okay. that was ninety nine and two thousand because I was living at Jacksonville Beach at that time, going, "What the hell? Yeah, is he what doing? is going on here? Yeah. yeah, I think I do remember that when that record came out. Just and I think I remember hearing a couple of tracks off of it and just thinking like the same thing, like, "Eh, I mean, yeah, it's." It's all right. I mean, I'm glad they're putting out new music, but it, it, you're right. It just didn't inspire me. But I remember we were waiting for Rush tickets and we talked to that old dude. Remember that? The guy that was like the crusty, yeah. you know, hippie looking dude. So we asked him like, you know, okay, well, what's the greatest show you ever saw? And he was like, oh man, I saw Zeppelin, you know, whatever, 70, whatever. And I remember thinking to myself, well, that's nice, but that's just never going to happen. Like, good for you. <laughs> right. And then fast forward. Well, then fast forward to 93 with Coverdale Page. And well, I guess this is all we're going to get. So I was excited about that. Canceled that tour. I canceled okay. that. Right. And then so, <laughs> and, then, and then we got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, um, yeah no, uh, I think there was many rumors, but I think the real culprit was they picked a place that was too big, didn't sell enough tickets and decided they were going to scrap it. So then, you know, we miss again. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden comes no quarter. We go back to the Orlando Arena and it is packed. packed. No problem about selling tickets for that show. Yeah, I guess the rumor on Coverdale Page was that Jimmy would have been okay doing theaters and doing small and sh- smaller shows. David Coverdale's coming off two huge, three huge White Snake albums where they were not only playing arenas but headlining them. So it's like, yeah. we're not going backwards. You know, we, we got to do these bigger venues. We had tickets. I wish I hadn't traded them in, but you know. Hey, we needed that 28 bucks or whatever it was back right, then. Right, for beer or whatever. You know, I, I would love to have <laughs> the stub of it. But yeah, no, you go to Ticketmaster and buy them, then you had to give them back and say, I would like my money back, please. Because I'd love to still have that stub. But yeah, it basically just didn't sell. And they didn't play North America. They played some shows in Japan with Guy Pratt on the bass, which would have been really super cool to see. And hopefully, uh, there's some rumors that now David has the rights to that stuff again. They could do a deluxe hmm. version of that. And I would love them to have some live stuff, maybe some video because it exists. It might not be in great shape, but I don't know. But I, I would love to see that. But yeah, you're right. We're like, we want to see Jimmy live. We had tickets. They went away. Then when they came back, like, we cannot miss this. Cannot miss this. But then you didn't see them on this second tour, did you, Jackson? No, I did not. Okay. Did, so you, we'll let- did, you, see, did you see them on the 98 tour? I did. In fact, you and I saw them days apart from each other. Really? Yeah. Mm. And we'll, we'll get into that now. 
Hi guys, this is Chris Slade, drummer of ACDC and many others, and you're listening to the ugly, I mean really ugly, Werewolf in London. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Let's go through the very well thought out and researched 20 questions. The first five (laughs) of which are basically... The kinds of questions you would do in like a sixth grade civics report, like who, what, where, when, why, date, venue, city, location, artist, and tour. Yes. Yeah. You got all that information for us? I do. It was July the 8th, 1998 at Virginia Beach Amphitheater, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay. And it was the Walking Into Everywhere tour that I was incredibly excited about because I didn't see Jimmy on the Outrider tour. I don't remember why. Maybe he didn't come anywhere near Greenville, North Carolina. Virginia Beach is like two and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. I saw Robert Plant twice on the Now and Zen tour, but apart from that, I had not seen any of the guys in Led Zeppelin. So this was going to be my first time. I was very excited. That's cool. Okay. So I was wrong. I guess I just assumed you'd seen him in Charlotte. Uh, no. and, and yeah, yeah. And I saw him in Jacksonville in May, three days away from the Charlotte show. So okay. you saw him okay. in July. Okay. Very good. Still not a big difference in the, uh, the set list, but that's all right. Well, I found something. I think you sent me what you thought was the set list. And I said, yeah, I think that's right. But something was always bothering me about the encore. Like I, 
I don't think that was the encore. And I went looking online and found mm-hmm. a guy's blog, a guy who had been there at that mm-hmm. Virginia Beach show. And so the, we can get to this later, but the the two songs they play for the encore a little bit different. Well, one of them's different from what you found. Okay, good. Good to know because you know how set list FM can be. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a hive mind thing. It's like, well, if they did this in Charlotte, they must have done it in Jacksonville. Everyone signs mm-hmm. up. Oh, yeah. But people aren't writing it all down. Someone was, but not everyone is. So they just click on, oh, yeah, I was there, and that's it. It's not always 100% accurate. So that's good to know. Yes, we can we can jump into that. What is the, what is the place like in Virginia Beach? It was an amphitheater, and oh. I don't really remember a whole lot about it. I just remember it was flipping hot and humid. Mm. And we were in the nosebleed seats. So we were not close to the stage and it was an amphitheater. And beyond that, I don't really remember a lot about that venue. Gotcha. Well, it's probably the basic shed that, you know, a lot of places have. There's a covered spot underneath and then you can go back up onto the lawn. Were you covered? You actually had seats you weren't on the lawn? I was not on the lawn. I had seats. I want to say there was a covering, but I, I wouldn't swear to it. Okay. Was it, uh, what was the turnout? Was it packed? Was it's it packed. Okay. Yeah. There were so many people there, which made it even hotter. And <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And who did you go with? We've talked about my husband, Bill, before, who passed mm-hmm. away in 2014. I was married before him. And so I went to this concert with my first husband, Barry Baker, who is a very nice, wonderful guy. If he's listening, hi, Barry. I'm sure <laughs> you had pleasant memories of this concert, too. We were both big Zeppelin fans and really excited to go. So we drove from Greenville. He drove. And uh, we didn't go to Charlotte because Charlotte is like five hours from Greenville, as opposed to Virginia Beach is just two and a half hours. I got you. Yeah. That was the reasoning behind that. Makes sense. But that's who I went with. Cool. And I assume it was your idea or? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as I found out, it's not like we had the internet in 1998, but not like we do now. Right. And I don't know how I found out about the tour. It may have been from the oldies radio station, the classic rock radio station, I should say, that I always listened to. Probably heard about it there and got tickets through Ticketmaster, sat on the phone for hours, (laughs) didn't physically go anywhere to get tickets, but sat on the phone for hours. And you know how that goes. By the time you get somebody with a tour like this, then I had crappy seats. Right. But at least I got the tickets. See, Jackson and I kind of figured out a hack to that old Ticketmaster situation. People who don't know now, you just go online, you get tickets, and there's mm-hmm. all these pre-sales that maybe if you're a fan club member, or you're an American Express member, or you're a blah, 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 whatever, you can get them before other people. Basically, it's 10 a.m. on Saturday at Ticketmaster. Go get in line. If you want to be in front of the line, you got to camp out the night before. But if you went to a different city than where the show was happening, usually the line wouldn't be that long in the morning. Mm. So like, you know, I grew up in Louisville. If I wanted tickets to Cincinnati, I could get them here in Louisville. Some other people will be in line, but not like the lines in Cincinnati. Yeah. So because my parents lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and we lived in Orlando, if we wanted tickets for an Orlando show, we would pack up our laundry, our dirty laundry, drive the two hours to Jacksonville, say, Mom, we're going to spend the night. Here's some laundry. What's for dinner? And then in the morning, we would get up and beeline it to a Blockbuster or a Turtles or whoever had the Ticketmaster and be like third in line, you know, wow. for a show in Orlando, you know, and that's how you can get better tickets to your city. So too bad that hack is like 25 years too late for you, but yeah. <laughs> it's something we, we kind of figured out. And you say, so you drove yep. from Greenville. Yeah. Now, what, what was your pregame ritual back then? I- 
Well, we didn't really have one. The The thing that stands out most in my mind about getting there was we stopped at some fast food restaurant in the middle of nowhere. And it was, it was like this big coincidence. Somebody working there had gone to high school with Barry. So they got to talking like, hey, <laughs> hey, where are you going? We're going to go see Paige and Plant. Oh, so there's this whole long conversation about, oh, my God, that's so great. And I wish I could see them and all this stuff. So it was just weird running into this person out in literally just the middle of nowhere and just having that conversation. And we were all pumped to go. And I'm sure there was a lot of Led Zeppelin on the car stereo and that sort of thing. But beyond that, we didn't do anything. There wasn't any kind of ritual or anything. Party, that we did. Anything. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you mentioned that this was kind of, it was internet, but kind of pre, this was like the baby internet yeah. back then was there. So you didn't really know what the set list was going to be. Was there talk of that yeah. in the car? Like, yeah, you know, what I are mean, they going to play? I can't, I wish they would do this. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, well, you know, the songs, they've got to play a whole lot of love. They've got to play black dog, rock and roll and Cashmere. handful of other things that, you know, that unless they're screwing with you, they're going to play. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, so it's like, well, what could they play that would be a surprise? And mm -hmm. so we're knocking around some song titles there that, you know, certain songs that I had never heard of them playing live as Led Zeppelin that I was hoping to hear. So, and one of those was Tangerine, and uh, they actually did play that. Yes, they did. Yeah. Unbelievable. So then that way you get to say when they go into it, you tell everybody that you're with, I called this. They're doing this for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. When we saw them in 95, they played Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? Oh, nice. Which is, you know, pretty crazy mm -hmm. if you think about it, because that was like one of those tracks that you hoped they would play on the radio once in a yeah. while, you know, because it wasn't on any of the albums. I mean, until 1991 with the box set. But yeah. Now, did anyone open for them on that tour? I can't remember for the life of me, and I haven't seen a whole lot of information on it. Yes, there was an opening act, and I couldn't remember who it was, but I found this guy's blog, mm -hmm. and he had been at that Virginia Beach show. See, I had a lot of notes that I, I wrote down as soon as I got home, so I'd remember everything, and I had the set list, I had my ticket stub, mm -hmm. the, uh, just great notes on all these little details, that little things that happened, but I had that in a file cabinet, and that file cabinet got stolen years oh, ago. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so I didn't remember who they had as an opening act. So luckily, I found this guy's blog. It's a group, Lily Hayden Band. And I don't know who that is. And it, it, they didn't make an impression on me at the time. But yes, that was who opened. And nobody was paying attention. Interesting. <laughs> nobody. Okay. How would you like to be the opening band for Page and Plant? No. It, it's yeah. Well, it's nice to play to a semi-decent crowd. But you're right. Everybody's there like, can you please... Be over mm -hmm. now. Please be yes. over now. Yes. Yeah. Lily Hayden. Well, and it was probably one of those things like we didn't even show up until after they were gone. Or if we're there, great. Let's find our seats. Then we can go look at the merch table. We can go get a beer. We can go do. Other. Right. By the way, who the hell steals a file cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. There's a story there. <laughs> All right. Well, that's we can save that for another yeah. show. But anyway, yeah, I have no recollection of the Lily Hayden band. I feel like when we saw them in 95, Jackson, there was no opener. 
it was just a long, it was a longer show. Like on this tour, they're doing like 18 songs, something in that area. The tour before they did like 23 and and it's, you know, there's a lot more going on. It's a bigger band of their own. There's about 10 people on stage or something like that. Plus then you got to do it with the orchestra, which, you know, they didn't bring their own orchestra. They picked one up. I feel like in every town, like ours Mm -hmm. was, was the central Florida Philharmonic. Yeah. yeah, right. But they didn't have the Central Florida one, you know, when they played Dallas, they would have the Dallas, you know, orchestra or whatever. So mm. now you already mentioned that your seats were bad. Yep. And that's that kind of so- sucks. But what about the sound? I mean, do you remember sonically, like, did they sound good or was it like, oh, we're so far away? No, it was fabulous. Nice. It was the sound was amazing. I absolutely do remember that. It, we may have been far away, but the sound was, I don't know who they had as their engineer, but it was great. Well, that's good because outdoor venues are hit and miss because you can't yeah. hang stuff from the ceiling. It's all got to be up front. So that's good because I've been to a couple of shows where it's like, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know what song this is. Like I hear yeah. noise, but mm-hmm. couldn't tell you. Yeah. Now, I remember. Yeah. I, I had just graduated from business school got my MBA and still not really wanting to be a full on citizen yet. Right. And so I go back to Jacksonville. We had a mutual friend being Jackson, our buddy Rob living there at the time. And I don't know if I bought four tickets hoping that Jackson could somehow come down or we had a buddy, Mike, who I lived with after Jackson, who was big into music thing. Okay, well, we'll get him, you know, to come. But I had like four tickets. So like I, you know, Mm. gave one to Rob and his girlfriend at the time. And then I wouldn't say I was on a date, but it was like, they kind of had a girlfriend who was free, who like, we kind of hung out through the show. And I remember we were like getting beers or something like that at some point. And then, because they were doing walking into Clarksdale and I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I can, I can, Time to I get can, a beer. yeah, I can miss this one. Right. You know? And so we were just talking or whatever. And then we hear no quarter starting like, Okay, we got to go back in now because this is kind of why I'm here. Was No Quarter one of the ones on your list as far as I really hope this is the one they do? Absolutely. But I also have mixed feelings about that because I I thought, you know, they kind of did John Paul Jones a little dirty here. And that song is the one more than any other that I associate with him. Yeah. So I wanted to hear it. And I made did it beautifully. It was amazing. Jimmy broke out the theremin during the the Dogs of Doom line. Mm-hmm. And that was, talk about, you were saying something about the, the sound and the noise that when that can be problematic with an outdoor venue, Jackson. The only problem with the noise was that people were, it, the crowd was in a frenzy. Mm-hmm. And the mm. bulk of the set list was Led Zeppelin songs, of course. Sure. So the noise level coming from people screaming, I was hoarse by the end of the show, <laughs> people screaming, people singing. That was the only thing, but that attitude, the energy and the excitement of the show, I think. But yeah, No Quarter was definitely something I wanted to hear. And I thought they did a great job. Okay, let's sidebar on that for just a minute. Because I feel like JPJ did harbor a little bit of resentment about it. Mm-hmm. Because in their like Hall of Fame induction speech, uh-huh. it was basically saying like, yes, I'm glad my friends finally remembered my phone number. Remember my <laughs> phone number. Yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> but I, I still say, and I'm sorry, John Paul Jones didn't get to participate in that. I still say they did the right thing yeah, by not a lot calling of pressure. It. Yeah, exactly. And you wouldn't have been at an amphitheater. You'd have been in a football stadium. Yeah. And if you think the sound is bad in an amphitheater, 
have bad seats at a stadium where you're basically 150 yards away. You know, it's right. like, is that them? Yeah, it could be, might be, yeah, over there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm still glad they didn't do it. And we, we can get into to more of that in a little bit. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, this tour was different. Like we said, when they did the unleaded kind of tour, they had eight or 10 of their own musicians doing all sorts of great stuff on stage. And then there's an orchestra to back them up. This tour, I feel like it was just like, it was like a Led Zeppelin show. It was like, there's four people on stage, maybe five at some point. But I feel like for the majority of the show, it was just the four of them. Well, I don't even remember that. I I was so zeroed in on the two of them mm-hmm. that I wasn't paying attention to. I couldn't tell you who, I guess I could have looked this up before we recorded but I couldn't tell you who was playing in the band. It didn't, it just didn't matter to me. All I knew was I was in the presence of Jimmy Page and I didn't give a shit where I was sitting. I was breathing the same sort of <laughs> marijuana scented air as, as he was. Okay. Now that's a good, um, that's a good actually thing to, to, to talk about here. Cause you know, obviously <laughs> Marijuana has become legal in a lot of parts of the country, certainly decriminalized in in most. And then it's legal for medical purposes. And then some of them, some states, it's it's perfectly legal. You know, you get the Mm -hmm. license, you can you can buy it and sell it. It's so funny that Jackson, I remember this pretty well. We we had a little joint before our show in 95. And we're like, oh, we better not bring it into the arena, man. We'll, we'll just smoke it here in the in the parking lot or whatever. We go in there. As soon as the house lights go down, boom, the smell On is cue. everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. like the old crusty guys behind us, they light theirs up. And the two older uh, lesbians who were sitting next to us, they fly theirs up. And the two kids who were just making out the whole time on the other side of us, they just blaze it up like, what was I worried about? What are we thinking? It, it was like they all got together and said, as soon as the house lights go down, like the second the house it's lights go. go down, er, it's go time. Everybody's yeah. going to spark up. It was like three, two, one, and this giant cloud, like, okay. Yeah. And away we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. A, we're indoors. So who's smoking <laughs> indoors, right? <laughs> but now you never, I, and because I still go to as many shows as I can, you never smell it in an arena anymore. Never. Mm. never at all and even in amphitheaters within the last 10 years i I think i did have one you know in an amphitheater and i got a lot of dirty looks i'm like we're at a rock concert you morons i mean and we're outside i mean what's going on it's like it's so funny as it's become more legal it's become (laughs) less cool to do it at a show and i can't remember honestly the last time i was at a show even in hyde park where there's eighty thousand people like you could get away with it i never really smelled it to be honest with you interesting yeah it's weird how that works you could smell it that night that is for sure okay so i'm i don't know exactly who's with him i'm guessing charlie was especially if charlie was with carmen was the bass player and i'm also guessing that same drummer whose name escapes me michael lee yeah, he was, was he was awesome. He had this Mitch Mitchell vibe going on. He was amazing. I assume there was a fifth person who came on and did keyboards. I guess I could probably try to look this up. Yeah, I think uh, you're right about Michael Lee. Oh, he was in the unleaded special. He was so good. I'm, I'm specifically thinking about the song Four Sticks mm-hmm. and watching him play that. That was terrific. Didn't he pass away a few years ago? Ago, yeah, ch- ch- yeah. Michael actually didn't live that long, but no, yeah. It's here is it's like Page Plant. the The band was Charlie and uh, and Michael Lee. Okay. 
Maybe Tim Whelan on keyboards. keyboards. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's that's just the disc. That's not that's not necessarily the tour. So I don't know for sure. But yeah, it was it was those four, which is a pretty tight band, to be honest with oh, you. Oh yeah. It's yeah, Charlie awesome. Jones has been, I think, playing with Robert Plant since the Now and Zen record, if not before. I think that was the beginning. Yeah, and then he gets to go out with the Colts, who are kind of getting back to their roots a little bit, playing their, they're celebrating their first album that's 40 years old, too. Wow. You know, something that I just thought of, I remember when they came on stage, the first thing I saw was Jimmy. There was no announcement. It was just the lights went down and there was some preliminary music and there was no announcement like page and plant and Ladies all of and a sudden yeah. yeah all of a sudden you just saw jimmy on the stage with that les paul and i lost my shit <laughs> and and i just remember thinking this is so cool they don't need an introduction mm-hmm. just come on and get to business and it was just amazing and then you know jimmy was in there was about like a five or six year period where you never saw him in anything but all black and that's what that's he right. was wearing, just black shirt, black pants that night. And I remember thinking, God dang, it's so hot. You gotta be dying up there. And then you'd catch him on the screen, you know, there's big screens, and they do a close-up and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna need a shower for sure after yeah. this. And he dyed his hair jet black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> too. Which I thought right. was kind of unnecessary because like we'd seen him in the previous years, like it's getting gray. Uh-huh. Like like Brian May for years now he's pretty white but for years yeah. he was a little gray and a more gray and and now he definitely looks like an old man but mm. i guess jimmy has to avoid that because how are you going to get women 25 30 years younger than you to come fall for you if you've got that nasty gray hair well he seems to be doing pretty well with the gray hair now well now it's white now it looks killer now it looks awesome i, I guess he yeah. didn't like that in between stuff maybe so that's probably what it was maybe so anyway Anyway, we digress. <laughs> Us? No. Yes. Talking about Led Zeppelin? What? No. <laughs> but I do appreciate your perspective as a, a female, because when I see a Jimmy Page as a young man, I probably saw a song remains the same, like on Cinemax at midnight or something like that at some point. Or maybe I rented it, you know, at, at the neighborhood video store, which is something that I would say the younger people who listen to the show wouldn't get, but I, let's face it, there's no younger people listening to this show. <laughs> we, we are the younger people. But but yeah, I remember seeing him like, that guy's cool. I want to be like him. I want to hang out with him. Whereas for you, mm-hmm. it's more like, ooh, I want to love on him I and hang out with him. him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> which is slightly, slightly different feelings, you know? So either, yeah. you know, Women wanted to be with him. Men wanted to be with him. And yeah. that's, that's kind of the way it was. You know, I guess it's every musician's dream to, to have been in a band like that. I'm just fortunate to have been there and honored to have been in it. Do you recall what your favorite moment of the Jews just seeing him with the Les Paul? Or? That was magical. So that's definitely one of them, playing the theremin during No Quarter. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. And at some point, I don't remember where, he did a little teaser of Stairway. I think he played like the first few bars of, of Stairway and everybody's like, oh, and then he moved on. Right. So, And, and I'm kind of glad he didn't play that. But anyway, going to California was a highlight. Everybody's singing along to that. And I remember he broke out the guitar bow on how many more times that was. I mean, he just did all the stuff that you would want him to do. The theremin, mm-hmm. the bow. And... The single greatest moment for me has to do with the encore. 
the last of the two songs that they played was rock and roll. And right. I don't know if you remember in the song remains the same. And that's at the very beginning of their concert. He does this kind of guitar God leap during that song in the movie. And yeah. he did it. He did it at the 98 concert. Wow. And it was just amazing to see because he was still young enough to do that. He was in his 50s then. And I think he hurt his back not long after that concert. And uh, I don't Thank know you for see. saying uh, 50s is young. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I definitely feel that I have to say that now <laughs> since I'm teetering on the middle of that decade. But yeah, I mean he was he was in great. I thought that show was really his more than Roberts. He you know Jimmy had done such sloppy shows mm-hmm. previous to that, and right. the main ones that everybody knows Live Aid, and mm. even the Atlantic Records reunion was they were a little sloppy. wasted by the time they got on Atlantic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So, I think that was that was a big thing for me just during this whole period was that he was really he was kind of back. Yes, like he, he'd been through those times where yeah, I mean he there, there were a couple of shows where like he's sitting down. Yeah, in the Ze- in the later Zeppelin days, like this guy is it, he's in rough shape. He looked like he was he was ready to play again. He mm-hmm. looked like he was healthy. he was healthy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so very exciting. Yeah, my brother saw Zeppelin in '77, and he said somebody brought a roadie brought out a rocking chair, and Jimmy sat in the rocking chair for most of the show and played. Yeah, because so, he, he weighed 115 pounds, and that double neck weighs like 50. Well, he, he right, he can't he can't play that. You know, he can't stand up and play that for half an hour. It'll pull him down. So yeah, he has to sit down. He was he was not taking very good care of himself no. back then. But he was on that night. It was definitely his show. When they left the stage out of whole lot after whole lot of love, people just started screaming. Remember, there was a whole group of people close to me screaming, "Jimmy, get back on the fucking stage!" <laughs> and it was just like the mantra. And we were all, and it was his night. It was he was amazing. Hi, this is Gary Kemp, and this is Guy Pratt, and you are listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. <laughs> oh no, you you talked about Stairway to Heaven. You were just talking about. Oh yeah. You knew they weren't going to play Stairway to Heaven. I I never thought that they would play that because Robert has he's made his feelings known about that. He does not want to sing that if he can get away with it. Yeah. Right, exactly. Big time issues with it. He hated all the play stairway, you know, two yeah. songs into the show. He's like, no, I hate this. They did play it with, uh, he played it with the boys, Celebration Day. Yes. Did not play it at the end, which I think was the right move. You kind of mix it in with the others. And then he never played it again. However, last month mm-hmm. in England, he sang it He sang it at, at the, the benefit that Duran Duran's Andy Taylor put together and there was a big buzz about it all over social media like he broke yeah. it back out do you do you believe that and did have you seen any of that I have not seen that clip so I don't did he change the arrangement or did he pretty much do it straight up the way it is on the record I've been holding off on seeing it because I didn't want to yeah. be disappointed yeah that same here basically yeah. but no I mean he, he I mean he broke it back out I, I don't think he dislikes the song it's just that because of all the memories of people saying, play Stairway, it's so mm. great, Stairway. And he's like, I've got other songs. Yeah, so he, he doesn't wail the ending the same way he used to, but for the most part, he's still got it. So I don't know, maybe I'll go look at it today and, and give a synopsis of it, you know, once we record all this. Okay. But I don't, I don't blame him for not playing it all these years, but it's good to see that it's not one that he just refuses to play outright. It's like for the right occasion, he might do it. Right. Maybe your retirement party, Christy, who knows? There you go. Well, he's, <laughs> he's definitely on my invitation list. <laughs> good. 
Excellent. Yeah, it did okay. not hurt my feelings that that didn't come out for the 95 show. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I understood it. I understood it then. I understand it now. And I'm just glad that, hey, they did it on Celebration Day, right? Mm-hmm. They, they knew this was going to be the final shows. Mm-hmm. Or was it? There, there are all this talk that they were going to tour after that. And yeah. Robert's the one who said, nope, nope, not doing it. Yeah. And if you see interviews, there's a Charlie Rose interview and some other interviews with the three guys. And that always comes up. Why didn't you tour? And you can see Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones just kind of going, <laughs> right. like, yeah, why didn't we tour? And Robert's That's doing everything question. he can to spin it. And so awkward. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, I'm glad they didn't. Although I know I would have gone to see them multiple times. Yeah. And you'd have, paid, you'd have paid mega bucks to do it too. Mega bucks. Yeah. But yeah. But I don't want them to do it now. No. That they're too old. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it when they said Jimmy Page just played the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was his first on stage performance in more than a decade. I'm like, are you kidding me? He yeah. hasn't gotten up on stage to do anything in a decade. I know he hasn't been touring, but he doesn't once in a while sit in with people. He doesn't ever have any kind of a thing he wants to put on, you know, and, and be with other people. I I gotta tell you, I feel like it gets a little bit of weak sauce from Jimmy. I, I don't like that. <laughs> I have a theory. I think, you know, he broke his, it may have been the same finger. It may not have been the same finger. He broke his finger a couple times in the seventies. And I'm wondering if there's some arthritis there that's keeping him from being able to play up to his standards. So yes, he did the rock and roll hall of fame to induct Link Ray and he played yep. Rumble, Rumble. And mm-hmm. I, I love it that he, that show took place on November 3rd, which was my birthday. So I think that was prearranged actually. <laughs> I think so. I think you're absolutely <laughs> But I right mean, the that. Rumble is not a terrifically difficult song. So right. maybe, and he did it, he did it great, but I don't see him going out and, and touring after this. I don't either. Uh, I, I don't either. And I, I, he's a guy, I feel like at, at this point, he doesn't want to do small shows. Like there's some people who right now they'll go out and they do theaters. Absolutely. Whether they needed the money or not. We, we just saw Peter Frampton do the theater, mm-hmm. me and my daughter. And he's Aww. sitting down. His whole band is sitting down. But he's funny. He's telling all sorts of stories and making people laugh between the, the songs. And, you great. know, he still sounds good. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Page only wants to be guitar god on the biggest of stages. And I don't think yeah. doing anything short of that interests him. And the only way to do arena shows would be to do something with Robert or something like it. At least he'd have to go with like the Black Crows to do it. Yeah. How, how did you feel about the Black Crows thing? I, I liked it. I didn't get to see that tour. This is the only time I've ever seen Jimmy live. But so you've heard I, the record, though, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I I don't really have a whole lot of of other thoughts about it. It was mm-hmm. nice. It was uh, had hoped that he and Robert would keep doing stuff after '98, but that didn't happen. I I don't know if there was some argument or falling out of some sort. Seems like there kind of was, but that was the end of that. Yeah, I, I feel like Robert is an artist who likes to move forward. Yes, and I respect that. Yeah, and, and he's been with different bands and, and worked with different people over the years. And we've done a couple of his solo albums. His first three, he had the same band. And mm-hmm. then after that, he's like, okay, now we're breaking that up and I'm going to go here in a different direction. And then he started kind of revisiting some of the Zeppelin stuff. It made sense for him to kind of get back with Jimmy. And he's like, okay, we did that. Okay, we've done it. 
let's move on. I'll go do new stuff. And I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a true artist. Whereas Jimmy, I, I think just wants to be on top and, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially once you've been there. Yeah. But I, I just think, yeah, I mean, his whole thing, the last 25 to 35 years has been the Led Zeppelin catalog. He's the curator and preserver of that. Yeah. He's the keeper of the flame. Yeah. But he hasn't done anything else. Whereas Robert still has to sign off on all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. but he's continued to make solo albums and work with lots of different people and move forward, you know, and I've been able to see him mm-hmm. a few times over the years, but Jimmy, he's kind of the, you know, he, he's the old man in the castle. He just doesn't come out that much, you know? <laughs> yeah. I always thought after Zeppelin, of course he was not in great shape for quite a while after Zeppelin ended, but I always thought, you know, he was such a big fan of, of people like Joni Mitchell. Wouldn't it have been interesting for him to go in a different direction the way Robert did, maybe have a, a female vocalist and do some acoustic instead of trying to just do the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. Could have been I different. But um, I, I I called up my road manager one day and said, look, uh, get the Les Paul out of the storage. Uh, you know, it's about time I got back on it. All right, so it's back to these really, really well thought out questions here. <laughs> Favorite song on the night? Well, Tangerine was a treat. I had never, I don't know, Led Zeppelin may have done that live. If they did, I don't know about it. So that was a real treat. Somebody, some guy, I think, was playing the mandolin on that, at that show. And then rock and roll, hands down. That was just amazing. Nice. Those were my two faves. What about you, Jackson? I mean, I know it was a little bit different set list when we saw them. I think I was really excited for... Nobody's fault but mine. Yeah, that was that's one of those ones where it was like I really liked it, but was that really that big of a hit back in the day for them? And then I I was also excited to to see them break out some other stuff too, like they did Lullaby from The Cure, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I Ooh. didn't see that one coming. And then they did uh, Shake My Tree from the Coverdale Page, which was I thought was cool because we didn't get to see them do that on the other And that tour. was shocking to me. I'm like, you got yeah. Robert Plant to sing a David I, Coverdale song? Yeah, yeah but I'm, they, I'm... Did, they also did Calling to You from from Fate of Nations, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing it was like, well, if we're doing one of yours, we're doing one of mine, too, mm. yeah. deal. Yeah, um, but I think a, that's really interesting that they would do a Coverdale page when I bet that's a big flipping the bird from Robert Plant yeah. and doing the Coverdale. And I yeah. kind of I've always thought that that was the, that he had something to do with that in the background about you know I mean of all the people in the world to work with you're going to work with David Coverdale who's been accused of just ripping me off this entire time and then the tour didn't happen and then they went in and did this and so I don't know but I, I was just I mean part of me was just excited to see it at all because I didn't think it was ever going to happen yeah I'm with you of course no quarter was big for me but mm-hmm. they had done that on the previous tour on this 98 tour babe I'm going to leave you yeah Ooh. was was huge because you know obviously everyone loves that from the first album but when the mtv unplugged thing exploded great white came on and i can't say that i'm a real big great white fan but they They did an incredible version an incredible version of babe i'm gonna leave you and i'm like okay these guys are awesome they should be better their songs are (laughs) cheesy but they're (laughs) obviously really good and so i'm like yeah don't let great white be the last people to do a great version of this song so so they did it and i remember being like oh man this is so awesome wow
that's cool. All right. So what was your biggest disappointment on the night or of the show, Christy? This is always an interesting one. That's easy. The, there were a couple of frat boy types sitting to my left. Oh boy. And they kept doing <laughs> beer runs just the whole night. So by the time we got, it was before the encore, <laughs> the guy sitting directly to my left threw up all over my shoes. Oh. So that, <laughs> that could have done without the projectile vomiting. <laughs> Goodness gracious. But beyond that, I don't have any, there were no disappointments. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. All right. And then so yeah. 17 is obviously you have not seen Jimmy and Robert together. Have you seen Robert at all since then? Not since then. No. Okay. I haven't. Wow. So it's been 25 years since you've seen either of them, huh? Yeah. I That just occurred to me earlier this morning. Let's see. It was 98. Oh, God. That was 25 years ago. Sticks 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you got to drive, what, two and a half hours back that night, or did you stay the night there? No, we drove back. My biggest memory of, of driving back, I'm just on a high from seeing them. Yeah. Right? We, we stood there long after the encore was over, just hoping they'd come back on. Mm -hmm. And finally, you have to accept reality <laughs> and move on. So I, I, I was on such a high from the night and but the thing that I remember the most about the drive home is smelling the vomit on my shoes. Oh, God. <laughs> it was like, open the windows. Mm -hmm. It was nauseating. But, it, yeah, just playing the music, talking about the experience and reliving it the next day because you call everybody you know and, yeah. and tell them about the set and, and the show. And it was it was an amazing night for me. So you probably didn't get home till like three in the morning or something. That it was night. late. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't crazy. remember what day of the week that I'm assuming it was on a weekend. I don't remember getting up and going anywhere. That's cool. Now, I assume you have no regrets of going to that show. No. But if Jimmy and Robert said, okay, we're going to do one more thing together. We're not going with John Paul. We're, we're going to do one more tour. Just the two of us. Would you go see that? I would empty out my savings account <laughs> to see that. Jimmy's going to be 80 in uh, January the 9th. Wow. So I'm thinking if he's going to do anything live, maybe there'll be something to mark that major birthday. But yes, if they said that they were going to do anything together, I would move heaven and earth to go to that show. How about you, Jackson? Would you would you see oh, them? I'm, I'm in the same I'm in the same boat. You know, you were talking about he he hadn't been on stage in in over a decade. I remember that uh, when was Sandy 2012 Hurricane Sandy? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't remember. They were yeah. I, I think that's remember. I'm looking at this right now. November 12, 2012. They were asked to do be part of that show and they declined. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking to myself, uh oh, is there something wrong with him? Like he yeah. can't like, why would you, why would you say no to that? Mm. Unless there was like, you know, you physically couldn't be up to the challenge. Like either you hadn't played for a while mm -hmm. or there was something else going on. So the fact that he's playing now again, like, I mean, he looked good at the rock and roll hall of fame. He, he looked pretty good in that. What was that, sh that special he did with uh, the edge and Jack white a couple of years ago. Might get, loud. Might get loud. Yeah. He looked good there. So, but that, that made me very nervous. But yeah, I would I would totally go and see them again one more time. Yeah. I, by the way, that that was 15 years ago now, Jackson. It might get loud. Uh huh. Like it's been that long. All right. Yeah, I know. It, it's <laughs> I mean, time kind of flies by on you there. Yeah. If they came to Louisville, I wouldn't think twice. Whatever it costs, I'll just go. Mm -hmm. I don't know how far I would go to see them. That you would travel, you mean? 
Right. I I, okay. I kind of decided some years back that when you live in a in a market like Louisville, not everybody comes. Like when I was living in London, everybody comes to London. You know, I don't have sure. to wait too long. Eventually, everyone's going to come to London. If you live in New York or you live in Chicago or L.A. or one of those places, you know, everyone's eventually going to come to you. Even Nashville, for the most part, gets a ton of rock shows. But that's three hours away, which requires staying overnight because you lose an hour on the way down there. I'm not driving home at three in the morning. Not at yeah. this age, you know. When I was in my 20s and 30s, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll just go to Cincinnati or I'll go to Indianapolis and I'll just drive back at, you know, and get home at one in the morning or whatever it is. I recently did that a couple of times, once to see the church because I'd never seen him all the way live. I'd only seen him as an opening act. And we had just interviewed Steve Kilby. So I'm like, mm. I, I got to go see the church. And then I took the wolf cub to see Kiss because she loves Kiss. Aww. So I, I take her to Cincinnati to see Kiss. We do leave before the bitter end. But again, I mean, we got home at quarter after midnight and I'm like, I'm not putting myself through this anymore for bands that I love for Iron Maiden. Yeah, I'd probably do that. But, you know, for someone I've already seen and already given a lot of money to, I don't think I'm going to I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Like, If they come to my town. Absolutely. But I don't know how far I would go to chase them. And the expense would be prohibitive, especially if I took, you know, the She-Wolf and the wolf cub suddenly it's like oh my god i go by myself it's not going to be cheap but if i have to take both of you oh my lord you know well i think if they play the three of us should go Ooh. we should make arrangements and if page and plant play i think we ought to be there all right i'll make a pact that if that happens we'll do it okay I'm well, confident it's not going to happen. <laughs> That's why you can make that pact. Right, exactly. It's kind of like, if we're not married in 35 years, why don't yeah. we get married? Okay, yeah, sounds good. Uh, I'll be there, you know. Kind of, All right. With Kramer and Elaine, <laughs> get married in 50 years or whatever. Get married, you know, in 50 years. Yep. So, no, I, I look, Robert doesn't want that. He's not. I know interested he and he doesn't need it neither of them need it for the money jimmy might like the adulation but it's possible they would play together even for just a few songs for something mm -hmm. right for something for some charitable event for some good cause for some relief for some something and i can't imagine what it would be but that is a possibility and jason is still going but the thing is, Jason's, no, J Jason's like 66 now. Jason's not a kid anymore. You know, we always say, oh, but they've also always got Jason Bonham and he's young. He's not that young anymore. <laughs> no, no. Or is he 66? I think I may have no, made him older no, than he he's, is. He's not isn't that he, He's in his 50s, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's older he's than I 56. am. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Oh, maybe he's 56. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was born in 66. Okay, that's Okay. That's that's for the brain. It's I knew that number was right on some level. Yeah, yeah. So, no, he's he is 56. You're right. He was born in 66. Totally okay. wrong by me. So, 56 isn't that old. No, it gets younger and younger all the time. <laughs> that's right. All right, so tell tell our listeners about Rock is Lit and where they can find you, Christy. Rock is Lit is like you guys, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network and we're on pretty much every podcast platform you can think of, you know, Deezer, Spotify, Apple, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been putting out, I started out putting out shows every week and I know you guys are still doing that. I, I got overwhelmed. So I do every other week now. So cool. um, yeah, so you can catch the show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell us about some of the cooler, more fun guests that you've had on there. 
uh, you guys, <laughs> you guys were on the first. Okay, event. yes. Well, yeah. Thank you for and the that praise. That was yeah. a really fun episode. It was the episode we did uh, on our favorite rock movie soundtracks. Yes. And so we talked at length about Dazed and Confused, and just had a ball. I mean, we recorded at night, so I would—I admit it—I was drinking wine. <laughs> Mac was having beer. We were, and then the lovely event at the end where we all signed off before the thing had uploaded. So we had a bit of a oh yes, a, you know, little stressor there trying to get everything straight, but. So you guys were on. Uh, Susie Quattro was on the second episode because cool. not only is she a rocker and an actor, yeah. but she also wrote a rock novel called The Hurricane. So she was on the second episode. Another favorite of mine, and this isn't a rock novel, but it's sort of connected to my rock novel, Searching for Jimmy mm. Page. I had Jim McCarty on a couple of times, and I know that you've interviewed him too, and mm. I've heard that you guys did a great job with him. That was a great interview. But I just remember feeling so comfortable with him mm -hmm. immediately. He's such a nice person. He's so, he just doesn't take the, the whole rock legend on board. Right. And he's interesting. He's He's got um, a book out called um, She Walks in Beauty, and it's about his lifelong interest in the paranormal. And we kind of bonded because he lost his wife to cancer. I lost my husband to cancer and my mm -hmm. mother to cancer. And so there was, you know, that point of convergence there. So he yeah. was a, a, that was a wonderful experience talking with him. And then there've been just a whole lot of rock novelists like uh, Dana Spiota, whose novel Eat the Document was a, a National Book Award nominee. And Zachary Lazar, who wrote the book Sway, which brings together the early Rolling Stones and mm. members of Charles Manson's family and the avant-garde films of Kenneth Anger brings all, all right. those those actors together in this fictional setting. And for that, I got to not only talk to the author, but I also talked with Zena Shrek, who is the goddaughter of Kenneth Anger and also the daughter of Anton LaVey, founder of the Church of Satan. Right. And she's become a friend now. She's she's a lovely person. So I just, you know, I feel like one of the most wonderful things about doing the podcast is I've made some friends. You guys are my rock and roll brothers. Yep, yep. So it's it's been a great experience in terms of that. Didn't you get to talk to Miss Pamela? Yes, yes. She's been on the show too. Yeah, and I went out to LA this past April and did her rock tour. That was fun. So hung oh, out with cool. her one afternoon. Well, really, it was all day. She's very cool, yeah. I mean, talk about a Jimmy Page connection. I know. I She didn't seem to want to talk that much about him. I, so I can she, understand that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was much more forthcoming about uh, Graham Parsons and mm -hmm. Mick Jagger and Frank Zappa. So we didn't really talk a whole lot about Jimmy. That's cool. And her ex, Michael DeBar, is a, well, he's, I don't know how you would describe him. Uh, an impresario is the way mm -hmm. I would I would describe him. Just, yes, he's an actor and a singer and a, uh, a rock on tour and obviously very handsome, but he seems to be very forthcoming with all of his, everything he's done. It's, it's you know, it's not like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's stuff that's private or whatever, but yeah. still he, he's pretty like, yes, and this is what it was like doing cocaine off of, you know, a, 
a model's <laughs> chest in the middle of the Bahamas. I'm like, yeah, that sounds that sounds like fun, Michael. Uh, I can't, can't can't really relate, but yeah, it sounds like a blast. You know, uh, it just he's got all these great stories, and he's so articulate. Yeah, um, and that accent is so disarming. And they they stay in touch. It's they they, they aren't like at loggerheads or anything. Like oh they, no, you know, they have a son. To- you know, right? Yeah. She told me they're like brother and sister at this yeah. point. They are very close. Yeah, he had some she- nice things to say about her for her birthday not too yeah. long ago. So I thought that was nice. Well, this has been fun. It's always fun to catch up. I can't believe it's been a long time since we since did. Since we've since we've rock and rolled. Since, oh, there you go, squeezing mm. it in there. Very well yeah, done. I know. Oh. But no, I mean it must have been spring of 2021. I just remember having a good old time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Christy Alexander Hallberg, author of Searching for Jimmy Page, host of Rocky's Lit Podcast. We love you. We we appreciate you coming on the show. You're one of our true podcast rock and roll friends, and we wish you all the best for a great holiday season, a successful 2024. You too. And thank you so much for having me on. It's always so much fun to talk to you. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you, sister. All the best. You too. It's just a, a meeting of minds oh. and bodies and souls. It was great. <laughs> So much fun to spend time with our friend Christy Alexander Hallberg, the author of Searching for Jimmy Page and host of the Rockets Lit podcast. Yes, we met Christy early on in our podcasting days, and well, that was obviously a very special night for her to finally get to see Jimmy Page live, first and only time of her life to see him perform live. And of course, it was a great time for me and Jackson to see him together with Robert Plant and the orchestra on the 1995 tour. Great memories right there. And of course, not every band that we're going to be able to review on this show or hear from great guests about is going to be a band that Jackson and I saw together. But five for five on the first five, that's for sure. But we're really excited about First Concert Memories coming out January 1st, 2024, as it's a very special guest who went to an iconic show back in the 1980s. We've all seen a video from. That's all I'm going to give you, but rest assured, it's going to be a good one. We can't wait for you to hear it. But thanks to Christy, everybody check out Rocky's Lit or follow Christy Alexander Hallberg on her various social media spots. By the way, why is there no live album or live DVD or special super edition live box set of Jimmy Page and Robert Plant live from that 1998 tour? I know walking into Clarksdale didn't sell that well, but who cares? You're playing live. Live albums, DVDs, those sell incredibly well. Why is there no official release for that? You waiting for the 25th anniversary? It's this year. Get on it, Jimmy. What else you been doing besides not playing out on stage for 10 years? I would love to have... A memory of that show. I would love to have a souvenir from that. So get on that, would you please? And we want to know, do we get something right? Do we get something wrong? Do we miss the point? Do we leave out your favorite part? You have to let us know. You get in touch with us. Our email is UglyAmericanWerewolf at Gmail. Let us know the bands, the concerts, the albums, the books, the DVDs, the rock properties you want to hear us talk about on the show. Let us know which bands you want to hear about on First Concert Memories. Thank you, as always, to Pantheon Pods for making us a member of the family. You make sure you get to our sponsor, rarevinyl.com, and use that code UGLY to save 10%. There's got to be something on there that you or a loved one would love for the holidays. Use the code UGLY and save yourself 10%. And use the code 10, number 10, off 2023 at the Ugly American Werewolf store. Yes, we've got a shop. You can find it on our Twitter page or X page. you got to call it at Ugly underscore Werewolf. Find our site and then use code 10 off 2023. Save yourself 10% on Wolf Merch. 
whether it's a shirt or a mug. Those mugs are selling awfully well. Those thermoses are doing very well. We appreciate it. But get a T-shirt, man. Show your pride and then send us a pic of you in it. Or we want to see our friends and listeners out there proudly displaying our colors. So make sure you listen to Ugly American Werewolf in London every Thursday and this first concert memories once a month. And no matter what you do, keep going to see live music. It's the best way for you to keep rock alive. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.